everybody i am sean graham scott physically distancing as always hello scott hey sean have you noticed uh when you turn the air conditioner off to do these podcasts that you get really hot well that has been the case for the majority of the summer but scott we uh here in the ottawa valley are blessed with an overnight low of nine degrees as we record this tonight I am excited. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good tonight. Uh, get the windows wide open, start blowing, uh, blowing some fresh air into the into the house. Should be great. Yeah, I went uh, for a walk along the. You don't get that low. It got down to about 13, 14 degrees overnight, and when I was out, it was in the 17, 18 range, and it was just lovely. Yeah, real beautiful. Uh, the the weather is a changing. Here in the nation's capital, it's starting to give the hints of fall. And you know what that means, Scott? Curling season. You got that straight, Sean. Just before we got on the air uh, this afternoon, I did receive an update from the Ottawa Curling Club about our opening plans. So uh, it's just been delayed a bit to after Thanksgiving, which I think for a lot of clubs is sort of typical. Uh, just after Canadian Thanksgiving is when clubs here start to open. We had always opened yep. a little bit early. So uh, I like this uh, approach, waiting to see how things shake out after the kids start going back yeah, to school. Uh, certainly seems like that is why that choice was made, just to, to give the club a little bit more of a buffer. And with no team home in camp this year, the club doesn't need that ice as early as it usually does. So it, it can take that time, see how the back to school goes. And that we're seeing that a lot across the country of facilities pushing back a week or two or three, um, saying that that's the plan right now. But it's pretty clear that the people who are in charge want to see how back to school goes across the country before making any firm decisions. Yeah, for sure. I was looking at uh, flights this week, but I decided... Let's not go anywhere until we see what uh, yeah. what happens. So, so uh, a couple, you know, uh, locally there was a club in Renfrew, which is about an hour north-ish of Ottawa, northwest-ish of Ottawa. Uh, you drive through it if you're going to North Bay from Ottawa, and it uh, they the club there announced that they're not going to enforce the one sweeper rule, nor are they going to enforce masks on the ice and uh, that was like at the same time as Napanee announced that they were closing for the season. So you're just going to see different mm-hmm. things across the country. And, and that's probably the right thing to do that clubs should respond to whatever the conditions are in their area and respond to whatever the people who play there want to do uh, to a certain extent. Um, you know, you, you want to be receptive to, a certain to, extent, to what yeah. the, to what the client base wants. So, sure. Uh, so, yeah, so, so that's sort of a, a bit of a, a follow-up to what we talked about last week. But, Scott, to get into the mindset of curling, we thought this would be a good week to go back and look at what the National Film Board of Canada has created 
in the area of curling. This is something that uh, Ryan Olson sent to us on Twitter that after we did the Corner Gas recap of their curling episode, he pointed out that the National Film Board has some curling content. And I'm glad he suggested this, Scott, because I very much enjoyed going back and watching these. Yeah, it was fun to watch some old, <laughs> I'll call them very old, uh, films from uh, the National Film Board site. So, <clears throat> excuse me, anybody that wants to go watch these, like uh, say you want to turn the podcast off right now, go and watch these films, feel free to do so, and then come back and join us after you've watched them. They're both available on the NFB website. And we've tweeted, did we tweet a link to Yeah, we tweeted a those? link to both no? of those. Uh, so they'll be on our Twitter. If, also, if you go to GameOfStonesPod.com, in the blog section, there'll be a little write-up about them there as well. Or you can just go to the NFB website, which is just nfb.ca. In the search bar, just put curling. It's the only two things that come up. Yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, pretty fun. So uh, which one well, do you want to start with? chronological Sean? order of their release date, Scott. So let's start with The Curlers. This is a 1955 film, short film, that is set in beautiful Perth, Ontario, about 40 minutes-ish from where I sit right now. And Scott, let me read the synopsis to you from the National Film Board. Uh, before you do that, I, I kept hearing a different name for the town. But I know they filmed it in Perth. Oh, did they say a different town? I just, I mean, all, they're, all, all the players are wearing like, Perth sweaters. <laughs> yeah, they said it so many times. It was like Teville or Tayville. Oh, or like, I, I believe they pronounced it, the actors pronounced it differently <laughs> every time. So, uh, yeah, let's right, just yeah, say we'll Perth. Yeah, we'll go with Perth. So the synopsis, this is 1955. This is a 27-minute short film. The local curling club, one of rural Canada's most esteemed social institutions, exerts diverse influences on the affairs of its members. In this film, we see how an ingenious small-town lawyer employs the team spirit to settle a rift between two neighboring farmers, just in time for the all-important turkey bond spiel. Sean, I think you got a future uh, narrating <laughs> movie synopsis. Synopses? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, an ingenious lawyer. And uh, okay. Okay. So uh, how do you want to do this? You want no, to go let's go blow, by blow by blow of what happens here. So this is in black and white. Uh, as the synopsis says, set in a small town. It, it takes place. It's filmed in Perth, Ontario. So. We open up and we have this lawyer who is presented to us as Mr. Roberts. And he's talking about how he's on this team, this local rink that they do really well. He's the vice on the team and they're the top team. But there's another team coming for them, Scott. There's a team that's right on their heels that is looking to, as he says, quote, take the cup away from us. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. This. I. So in this film, there's a lot of narration yes. that is done, sort of with establishing shots, 
And then I feel like the characters say the same thing. That's the narration. Like introduce us. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So we are very well versed in, in, you know, the setup. Okay. This is a curling team. They're the best. They're playing in the Turkey well, bonds feel not yet upcoming. So they, but they, what they're going to want is to defend their, their sort of yes. house for lack yeah. of a better so word. So what we see is that Roberts is there at the club. It's just a regular night. He says that most nights he's at the club in the winter, either playing or watching and the front end doesn't show up for their game. So they're stuck. They don't have a front end. Yeah. Dad, what's going they don't on? What's going on? So he and the skip, they, uh, they call over to, to both people and they, they don't get any response. Yeah, uh, they they suggested that, oh, these guys would have either called or sent a yeah. message if they were going to be late. Uh, hearing that in 2020 is kind of funny. Like, oh, we can't just right. text them. Like, they, they'll send a telegram message to yeah. let us know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. It's like, uh, you know, basically, if Seinfeld was set in the 2010s, then there's no shows because 95% of the episodes could be resolved <laughs> through text message. Yeah, so exactly. uh, so yes. what we see, so the, the front end, there's one guy named McNair, Mac, and then the other guy is Henderson. And what we see is Henderson is traveling to his neighbor, McNair's house. They're they're. They, they have adjoining mm -hmm. properties, but they seem to live really far away because McNair has to take a, uh, or sorry, Henderson has to take like a, a like a horse wagony thing, a sled over right. there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the country, right? So properties are, you know, adjoining, but the houses can still be very yeah, far so apart. So what we see is Henderson arrives at the McNair residence. He knocks on the door and Mrs. McNair opens the door and he says, where's Mac? He says, out in the barn. Now, Scott, I don't know why <laughs> this was necessary to have this scene where the wife opens the door. Yeah, there's so many scenes in this film that aren't necessary. Like, it's the longest 27 <laughs> minutes, I think, that they could have possibly stretched yeah. this out to. So we get this really cartoony music as uh, Henderson is about to go into the barn. But before this, okay, this is actually my favorite scene in the whole thing. So McNair is there mm -hmm. with his two kids. And I don't know how there are his two kids because he looks like he's like 65 and his wife looks like she's in her late 50s. And these two kids are like Yes. Five years old, but they're presented as his kids. Okay. One of them, the older one, has filled up the corn for the the livestock. The other one has filled up the wood, mm -hmm. and the older one is told that he's going to get fifty cents. The younger one's going to get twenty five cents. Now, Scott, how is filling up the corn a more difficult task and therefore worthy of double the pay? than filling up the wood. Well, Sean, it's not about the difficulty of the task. It's about the importance of the task. It's cold. You need the wood. So, yeah, but the animals got to well, eat. First and foremost, well, I'd I mean, say. They're froze. They freeze to death and they don't need to eat. 
Well, because like I would say for me, you know, like putting shingles on a roof is more difficult than sending emails all day. And I like I think people who send emails all day sometimes get paid more than people who hammer shingles on roofs. Sometimes they do, yeah. And you know what? In that case, I would say the importance also falls to the shingle shingle or <laughs> anyway that's the first thing i All could right, think so of. so this is the first and only time we're going to see these kids they have their dispute uh the younger one rightly points out that this is unfair and then henderson comes in with the cartoony angry man music and the the father tells him to leave and then they're never heard from ever again so they have this confrontation in the barn and apparently what's happened is that for a long time in these adjoining lots, they don't know exactly where the property line is, but what farmers would be doing in the winter is going into the, the wooded area of their properties, cutting down trees, taking them into town to sell them as firewood. And for a long time, they've had this agreement mm -hmm. of, you just take what you need, we don't really know where the line is, and it's okay. But now, Henderson has decided that McNair is taking too much of his wood, and he wants McNair to pay for this. Henderson comes in, and he is demanding $1,000. And uh, McNair is saying no. Yeah, yeah, no good. That is the crux of this dispute. So they, they leave the they barn, and this is my second favorite part. They have – there's an amazing shot. So there's a, a long fence – we're, we, as the camera, are behind the fence. The wife has come out. She's standing like 20 feet away from them as they argue and use a lot of hand motions, but not a lot of uh, mouth moving is going on. So it's a lot of uh, pointing and gesticulating <laughs> back and forth until Henderson yeah. leaves and McNair comes over to his wife and they have a bit of a discussion about what happened. And McNair says he's going to go to the, the lawyer and then we get full tight shot of the wife saying, I don't know what gotten in, <laughs> what's gotten into him. He's never been this agitated. Now, Scott, how would you, desc how would you describe the way she reads this line? I, I would say, like, uh, is she pretty reserved? <laughs> yeah. In, in the sense of, like, she, it sounds like she's reading something. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it feels to me yeah, like someone's it's... behind the camera with a big cue card <laughs> what the line is. <laughs> it's very like Robert De Niro on Saturday yeah, very, Night Live. Very stilted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I wonder, like, she's the yes. only woman in the show, except for his secretary, yeah. I think. The, the lawyer's yeah. secretary. So... You know, they had to give her a line. Yes, and, you know, she made a meal out of it. <laughs> very, yeah. very much so. So. Uh, so McNair says that he's going to go see his lawyer, and hey, you know who his lawyer is? His vice skip. How convenient is that? Yeah, it's uh, really yeah. great, right? Uh, convenient? Hey, yeah. This is my lawyer. But before right here. we get into the lawyer's office, so McNair goes to the, the lawyer's office. We're now in the lawyer's office, and Scott mentioned the secretary. So Roberts is talking with his secretary, who mentions that a woman called to change her will. And apparently this is 
the, uh, uh, several times this year she has called to change her will and <laughs> they're they're both very confused as to why <laughs> and uh, my, like the mm-hmm. robert says she's done this a, a lot and the secretary says that's what i told her as if the woman like didn't know that she had changed her will multiple times i found that kind of confusing like <laughs> she she doesn't know that she was doing this this is also like something that doesn't play at all to her no. story and i feel like in a larger film okay maybe you've got you know a, a subplot where a lot of people are changing their wills and it's sort of curious as to why but like this is a 27 minute film and this is you know a minute that's extraneous to yeah. everything so i i yeah and yeah if it was like four seconds of she wants to change a really again really why i don't know weird okay like that's fine but yeah it drags out for like 45 <laughs> seconds to a minute of this conversation that has absolutely no payoff and a lot of a lot of shots of the characters sort of yes. thinking while sometimes there's narration over it. Sometimes yeah. there's not. We'll get to another long uh, gratuitous shot a little yeah. bit later, but uh, yeah. Right. So anyway. Roberts goes in and he has this meeting with McNair and basically they, they talk about what's going on. And, and Roberts has this weird question of, of apparently, so apparently what has happened is Henderson has said, here's where the property line is. Here's all the trees you've taken. Here's what you owe me. And Roberts says, well, if that's where the line is, would you owe him that amount of money? And McNair basically goes, oh, <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> well, maybe we should yeah, figure it out. It's so strange. It's like, uh, uh, may, uh? Uh, so fortunately, <laughs> they get a phone call in the middle of their meeting that there's a surveyor who's out to look at where the property line actually is. So they can head on out and see what the surveyor decided. Yeah, neutral third parties to come and decide exactly where the line is and how much is owed. So this, they they go out, there's a surveyor, and there's also the lawyer for Henderson, whose name is Young. So now we have Henderson, represented by Young, and we have McNair, who's represented by Roberts. And the surveyor's there and says, actually, the line is closer to your house, McNair, than we thought. So more of this land is Henderson's than even what we thought it was. So you actually owe a lot more money. And then the surveyor leaves. So Right. The surveyor says, you know, like, my job is to tell you where the line is. You guys work out the rest. Here's my question. This surveyor was clearly brought in by Henderson and his lawyer. Yes, clearly. What the hell type of lawyer is Young or Roberts? To, to have this guy who's hired by the other side and it hurts your client and you just stand there and you're like, okay, like, where did this guy go to law yeah, school? That's crazy. Are you kidding me? Like, could somebody <laughs> please explain that to me? Like, why in the world would a lawyer who apparently is presented as being good at his job just accept the conclusion of somebody hired by the opposite side? Yeah. The, okay. We need a, an independent surveyor that was the whole point of it uh i want to bring my own guy in now in a small town in the 1950s probably there's not more than one surveyor maybe not but i really do think that this scene compromises the synopsis calling this guy ingenious (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I, I will say the word ingenious, a little bit yeah. of hyperbole. So they have this discussion, and now because there's more land that Henderson owns, they want more money, even up to twenty five hundred dollars. I I believe the first offer was like ten thousand. Was it that he wanted? And then and then uh, Roberts, the lawyer for yeah. Henderson, said, "Oh, that's crazy." Right. No, the lawyer for Mac. Yeah. Said that's crazy. Like, maybe we could do twenty five hundred, right. and Mac says, oh, "There's no way I'm can't like I can't that. afford to pay that. Can't afford that. What I got twenty five hundred dollars yeah. laying around. I'm just a farmer who sells wood yeah, on the can't side. Can't even afford to pay my kids the same thing. Right. Like uh, all things being equal, uh, sure I'd give it to you, but I ain't got yeah. that kind of money. So, okay, so is this a point where they storm yeah. off? Well, okay. So they're having this discussion. It's outside <laughs> because they're at the, doing the survey. And then Robert says, mm -hmm. let's get out of the cold. And, and Scott, how would you describe mm -hmm. the location where they go to get out of the cold? It's what uh, we call in the biz, the secondary location. Nobody comes back <laughs> from the secondary location, but, uh, <laughs> So I would de describe it as it once was a house <laughs> and is now a few stone walls with no roof and large gaps in the walls. Yeah, I, I think I would describe it as a, a good location if you were filming a World War II movie and you needed a bombed out town in France set. Like, that's what this yeah. looks like. And yeah. to get to this place, again, to get out of the cold, they trudge through knee-high snow and then just stand yes. in the knee-high snow. There, There is no way that this is less cold unless the wind chill, you know, adds minus 20 right. degrees to the temperature. Like it's, And then we can stand behind the windbreak. But otherwise, come on. It's absolutely insane what is happening in this scene. So, uh, so they have their discussion, and the conclusion is basically that Henderson is going to sue McNair. They're going to go to court. Yeah, front end suing each other, Sean. Uh, what what front end do you think it would be the most amusing to see sue each other out of a sort of professional like curlers? Front ends. Ooh, yeah. That's, uh... Ooh, that's a pretty good one. I think. Hmm, I think it'd be funny if you had Don Askin and Jocelyn Peterman suing each other, and then one of them hires Jennifer Jones as their lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> this would be exactly the plot of this movie. I think. I think they that we could do a remake, a 2020 yeah. remake, starring those women. I think yeah. that would be perfect. Uh, uh, that would be, but in terms of just, ooh, who would be, well, I mean, Hebert Morris, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And I think if we're going back in time, it would be Hebert yeah. and Kennedy. Basically anything involving <laughs> Whoever's anything with involving Hebert. Hebert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be funny. So we get, uh, <laughs> we get the lawsuit. We go to the courthouse for some reason. And the courthouse scene involves them adjourning for 15 minutes and then somebody coming 
who works at the courthouse saying to Roberts that uh, you know it's gonna be gonna be tough with no curling. And this is like yeah, he's he's saying basically like your team yeah, is done. That's trouble. And this is like a two and a half minute scene, but apparently this is what gives Roberts the idea to use curling to get them back together. Yeah, I think this is where the wheels start turning in his head. You know, he's like, all right, uh, that's right. We're not going to have a curling team if this keeps going. So how can I, how can I make that happen? And again, this guy has been friends with these people for years. They're on the best team in the club. He's an ingenious lawyer. And it takes some staffer at the courthouse to point out that maybe he could use curling to get them to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, not uh, not the most ingenious no, lawyer. No. So then we get to go to the Canadian Club lunch, Scott. This is at the local hotel. They're having a, a monthly lunch. A speaker comes in. This is something that actually is pretty true to form for the 1950s, these Canadian club lunches mm-hmm. that men would come and men would come. Like women were not allowed at these things. And yeah. they would have a lunch and they would listen to a local speaker. And these were actually very important for local, usually salespeople to make connections. So uh, they go, the two lawyers are there. Just by happenstance, they get to sit next to each other. So that's fortunate. Ooh, I don't think it's I don't think it's happenstance, Sean. I think uh, Robert set it up. You think so? With the hotel guy. There is a, a scene, just so just before this, there's a narration of, oh, I knew Young would be at the hotel for yes. lunch, and then there's another you know two to three minutes of the hotel clerk helping a customer, and then Roberts comes in and says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. He goes, oh, don't worry. We kept a plate for you. It's it's like, why did, is the guy who plays the hotel uh, keeper, is he like somebody's friend and they owed him a favor? They're like, okay, we'll put you in our film. Because it's another scene that like really has no bearing on the outcome of the no. case. Like, it really doesn't matter. And then this the long scene I was talking about is when Roberts comes in to the luncheon. There's a long shot of him walking <laughs> around all the tables, like down the it's long great. table. Like, hey, Bill. Hey, Jim. To... How you doing? Good to see you. Like, it's like he's, it's like he's at the Price is Right. Yeah. He's coming down the aisle and he's giving everybody high fives. It's like, hey. But he's coming down the aisle very yeah, slowly. Yeah, it's like if the Price is Right was like a guillotine instead of prizes like that that's the energy he has i've i've and i've only got to believe that editing film in those days must have been it was so much harder than it would be now because now i think you would see him walk in the room and it would cut to him getting to yeah, his seat and seeing young sure. right it but when you're editing with with like film physical film and you got to slice it's like, oh, just leave it there. Yeah, Whatever. it's not worth getting the scalpel out for those four frames. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so, yeah, so they're having lunch. They're discussing the case. And basically the, the lawyer is not really willing to discuss with Robert. So Young thinks they have a strong case. They can win. He, he thinks they're in good shape. He's new to town as well. 
doesn't have uh, a lot of experience with the local community. So he thinks that moving forward mm -hmm. with the lawsuit is the best course of action for him and Henderson. Yeah, and, and Roberts, on the other hand, is worried that this money is going to cause uh, Henderson and Mac to not become friends anymore. So he's like, what's worth more, friendship or money? Or money? Yeah, so in the inflation calculator, Scott, they're suing for, if it's $2,500, in the Bank of Canada mm -hmm. inflation calculator, $2,500 in 1955 is $24,326.24 today. How many of your friends That's... are you willing to cut out of your life for $24,326? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's uh, uh, like, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, your best friends, guys you play with every week in the at the yeah. curling rink. Oh, you're not going to throw them overboard for that. Well, apparently Young thinks that it's a good choice for Henderson to do that. Well, like you said, Sean, he's, he's only been in town 18 yeah. months. And he also, uh, they do say he really likes litigating yeah. and he doesn't get a chance to do it very much yeah, in this town none of court action in this town yeah he's like oh i see it my chance my chance to play perry mason uh, in a courtroom too so, many too many let's old do it. ladies changing their will 87 times a year so, <laughs> uh yeah so yeah. so roberts gets nowhere with young and then scott it's turkey day apparently where all the farmers bring in their turkeys to town and people, according to the way this is filmed, go around, paw at every farmer's turkeys and decide which one they want to buy. Yeah, you know, you got to hold it up, uh, see how heavy it really is, uh, you know, see how fat it is. What, you got good thighs on that turkey. Yeah. You know, find like the choicest yes. turkey. So this is happening. And it also corresponds with the printing of the posters for the turkey spiel. The biggest spiel in town. Yeah, they, they the guy printing the posters. You know, he comes out from the printer and says, "Hey, here's the uh, here's the poster for this year's spiel." And uh, Roberts thinks, "Oh boy, that looks really good." Yeah, so the person who comes out is also the skip, his skip, and he says, "Who who are we going to get to play with us?" And Roberts has the idea that, "Hey, why don't you get Henderson, and then I'll get McNair." And we won't tell them. Well, he says to the skip, he says, I'll get a yes, fourth. He doesn't even tell the skip. This is all his plan. Yeah. So the skip is going to get Henderson and they're going to get, Roberts is going to get McNair. And when he calls McNair, he says, you know, we want you to play. We want you on the team. And yeah, the skip is going to get the fourth. So they're running yeah. this play to sort of switcheroo on each of them. It's like the curling version of parent trap yeah right yeah like the one twin says hey mom like uh, come to this thing and the other one says oh dad i want you to come to this and they get their parents together and they're gonna make yeah. up so uh so that's the goal so we we get to the turkey spiel and everyone is there except for henderson and mac and they walk in and a hush falls over the room yeah uh all like really cramped quarters in the uh, Perth Curling Club at this time, not very uh, COVID-friendly no. uh, environment, you know. Uh, 
they didn't future proof this movie. There's a lot of people crammed into that uh, into that space. And yeah, like you say, the the two guys who are you know at at odds come in. Ooh, everybody quiets down. Uh, Sean, did that ever happen when you and Dean Moser walked into the curling club after he'd kicked you off the team? Uh, no, no, because I never went back to the club. <laughs> Uh, uh, fair enough fair enough so uh, we have this moment henderson is going to leave but they they bring him back and they say hey it's don't like it's us don't like don't blame each other like let's just play let's just win this thing we're too good to not defend our title Mm -hmm. let's bring the team together in the spirit of curling yeah and give it our yeah. best. So they're going to go and play, and this is apparently the easiest bond spiel in the world to win because all you have to do is play one game, and uh, you are the champion. <laughs> well, they're the best team yeah, in town. So they, they're going to play their arch rival, the team that's coming up uh, on their heels. And it doesn't start out well for the squad, Scott. They're, they're not working together. There's no cohesion, and they fall behind. Yeah, not a lot of uh, communication, I noticed. You know, the first rock slides through the house and at that point you don't know like ooh is this guy uh doing it on purpose to get back at his at his lawsuit rival i forget who the lead was yeah i can't remember either but th- yeah they're they're frustrated they're not going along but then robert's notes you know we all got mad and when we got mad that's when we started to work together which is weird because mm-hmm. mcnair and henderson were already mad so if anger is the key they're mad already yeah, Sean, but they were mad at each other, and what they needed to do was to get mad at the other okay. team and say, oh, we can't let these guys beat us. Right. It's up to us to come together as a team and stick it to these young whippersnappers yes. and, and that's who actually look much who older. Look a bit way older, yeah. But that's what happens. Uh, they come <laughs> together. They start to play well. They, they tie. They get behind, and it's the last end. And they have the hammer, and they have the shot to win. And Henderson and McNair getting ready to sweep, and they say to each other, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, let's get it done. So the shot that they have to play is a, a bit of a, a, a little outturned tap with the, as the other team's stone is just off the button. And just a, a nice little, you know, hack board weight shot. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. So they... Yeah, and... Uh... So he makes the shot. Spoiler alert. Uh, um, and Sean, what does Roberts say when the shot is yeah, made? So the, the, the shot uh, knocks out the, the other team stone. And he says, that's it. We've got the game. We've got the game. Like what a weird thing yeah. to say. And what else is weird is that nobody reacts to what's going on until he says that. Like it, it's not, like there's a close measure it's it's pretty obvious that they have enough to win but everybody waits for him to declare that they've got the game to react including the people in the lounge (laughs) right they should be able to know well you know what it's far away they were playing for some reason the last end at the away end uh which we can talk about if you want and then also uh so they're playing it to the away end. And also, so many people are smoking in oh, there, yeah. Sean. It's got to be a real hazy atmosphere. Yeah. 
So maybe even from the lounge, you can't see the other yeah, end. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, a lot of folks. And it's weird, too. They're smoking pipes. Yeah, I did see one cigar. Right. But, uh, yeah, a lot of pipes, a lot of cigars. Just, like, well, so yeah, weird. They're very strange. Um, or, or maybe everyone was confused, Scott, because when the skip threw the rock, he threw an outturn, which was good because that's what they needed. Yeah. And then as they showed the rock traveling down the ice, it had switched to an intern. And then, you know, the Henderson and McNair, really great sweepers because they were able to push it all the way back to being an outturn by the time it made contact with the other stone. Yeah, I think they shot one stone going down the sheet and just reused the yes, same shot. 100%. Every time. And I also, I also noticed, Scott, too, it was really convenient that when they went to film a stone being thrown and, and traveling down the ice, it was really convenient that right next door to the Perth Curling Club, uh, rockets were being launched. Um, you know, really convenient <laughs> that the, those two things synced up so well, because that's the only possible explanation for the sound that the stones make. Yeah, they're very loud. Very yeah, loud. It's uh, pretty insane. So, uh, so the team wins, they come off the ice, they shake hands with a procession line of people who are there to congratulate them. Yeah, it reminded me of yeah. a wedding, you know, the reception line after yeah. a wedding, like, oh, good game. And it seemed like the two teams didn't shake hands until they got up into the warm room, yeah. too. Well, it's cold out there. <laughs> a little bit warmer, I think, than a farmer's field, yeah. but anyway. And, uh, and and then, strangely, the tables are of, for four there's no eight person tables here. So the skip yeah. and other like the skip and the vice are gonna sit with the other skip and vice. And then the front ends are gonna sit together and Scott, once you know it, McNair and Henderson are friends again. Yeah, they the plan worked. They they saw how much they have fun working together. And you know what? We can't let twenty five thousand dollars, twenty twenty money, uh come between right. us. We just won turkeys. So everything's everything's good. <laughs> but uh, then we have a, our follow-up scene. This is at church, presumably the next day-ish. Yep. And Young and Roberts, the two lawyers, talk. And apparently after the bond spiel, Henderson talked to the lawyer and said, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go through with this lawsuit. Let's come to some sort of a settlement. And they, they agreed on a, a number. And then... Young leaves, and then Roberts talks with Charlie, who was his opponent the day before, and says, hey, everything's settled, everything's good, and hey, maybe you should pick up this lawyer guy, because given what just happened, I think he might take up curling. <laughs> yeah, uh, he believes that he's shown Young that the real way to settle disputes in our town is on the curling ice, not in exactly. the courtroom. And uh, and then Charlie and Roberts go to the service. So they walk into the church. So, Scott, my question is, why is Young there? Why isn't he going into the service? Like, what is going on with him? Does he just, like, hang out outside the church on Sunday morning? Oh, maybe he went to the earlier service. Maybe. I, I found that very confusing. Yeah, I really, I really, well, you know, they had to meet somewhere. 
but they didn't they clearly hadn't planned on that they just bumped into each other well we couldn't have arranged another you know luncheon so soon after the last one that's very true so they they come to this agreement everything's great curling's great all that now scott again i i don't want to harsh on this guy too much but at the start of the film we are told that he wants a thousand dollars for the land so henderson wants a thousand dollars initially mcnair offers him 400 Mm -hmm. and he says no and then in the final assessment what they agree to is twelve hundred and fifty dollars yeah so by getting the lawyers involved henderson ends up getting more money than he initially wanted and yet roberts is portrayed as a brilliant lawyer even though getting him involved ultimately led to his client paying more money than if he had not been involved at all yeah i yeah i don't know <laughs> doesn't seem like a smart idea right? no <laughs> like like uh, yeah and, and and robert says that mcnair was happy yeah it's only 1250 he didn't want to pay a thousand a week ago <laughs> you suck at this you're terrible no, but you know it's a good thing there's no court cases in this town because he is bad at his job but when he didn't want to pay a thousand it was because you know he thought he owned more of that land and then he found out he actually allegedly they didn't challenge the surveyor's report for the guy who was hired by the other side yeah yeah, I don't know it's, what to tell uh, It's not great. And that's how we that's how we ended. They're friends again, and I, I understand why Henderson's happy. And I'm uh, not really sure why McNair is happy. And Roberts just seems like a dolt. Roberts is pretty dumb. And, uh, and there you dumb. have it, Scott. That's the curlers. There you have it. What a trip we went on. on. A, a picture of a half-frozen river. Fade to yep. black. Yeah. Uh, presumably the Rideau River. Presumably, yes. So what what do you think? What's your main yeah, takeaway so, oh, from the, the film? Uh, my main takeaway is that, you know, curling can help uh, solve problems between friends. Ah, adorable. Yeah. Uh, my other takeaway is this could have easily been 15 minutes instead of 27. Yeah, a lot of stuff that could easily be cut here. The whole will scene, the lunch could probably be cut. The confrontation could easily be cut down. The kids, we don't need them in here at all. Yeah, the curling stuff could be cut down too. It was nice that the entire male membership of the Perth Curling Club showed up to be extras in the film but we don't need it to the the extent that we saw it. I don't really understand the need to see the dead turkeys in the truck either and and the people manhandling the turkeys, but maybe that's just me. But yeah, this one could easily be cut down. Sean, did you uh, by chance calculate what that 50 cents would be worth in uh, Uh, $20? I did it, so do you want to guess? Um, Well, so if we had a... And 25, if we had a, almost a, a 10, 10 multiple, basically, right? 10 it's times five bucks. Yeah, $4.87. Yeah, $2,500 turned into just under $25,000. The right yeah. 10 multiple. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Five, five bucks to uh, fill the corn. Would you do that? 
Well, I would want five bucks to fill the wood. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Damn right. Damn right. All right. We've uh, talked too much about this one. Let's move on to the next film. Ten minutes minutes from 1963. This one's in color. The other one was black and white. This one's called Gone Curlin'. And according to the National Film Board synopsis, this short comedy follows a visitor to the prairies as he slowly discovers the cult of curling. At first, our protagonist doesn't seem to understand why everyone is so crazy about curling. But once he studies up, buys the right gear, and gets a few lessons, he can't be stopped. This hilarious short film records the history of a rookie's first game. Even non-curlers will feel the pull of the stones and the flick of the brooms in this choice rinkside view. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. I thought this one was pretty funny. Wow, really? I thought the use of the word hilarious here was really pushing it. Okay, uh, maybe not hilarious, but humorous. Maybe. Um, he also doesn't <laughs> oh boy it sounds like i'm higher yeah, he also doesn't one. well i mean he doesn't buy any gear nor does he get a few lessons plural uh and he very clearly can Mm-mm. be stopped so anyway <laughs> all right okay so this one uh, we open scott on the beautiful town of Eston, saskatchewan and a road traveling salesman is pulling into town it's a new territory for him it's his first time in Eston, saskatchewan and he shows up and nobody's in town because scott everybody has gone curling roll credits <laughs> uh he's like hey where is everybody you know pulls up in front of the co-op yep. uh goes to uh, one of the stores he was planning on visiting and he's like where is everybody and then suddenly sees a sign that Sean, I I thought it would have been in the fashion of gone fishing, and had it be curling with an, an apostrophe right. at the end. But it said gone yes. curling, with the full word spelt out. Yeah. Do you think that it would have been better to have it with the N or with the G? I think in the show, like in the movie, it's better if it's curling, with just the N. But I don't mm-hmm. think you want to call the movie that. So. Maybe that's why I want to put the G in in the movie. Like, you know, even... why don't you want to call the movie that? Yeah, search engine optimization. I'm sure they were big on that in 1963. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> we get an internal monologue of the salesman saying that everyone's gone and he calls it an epidemic, Scott. Uh, an epidemic of curling and Eston. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It was, uh, you know, everybody's gone crazy. Like, where is everyone? Oh, they're suffering from the curling yes, epidemic. Yes, he actually says, suffering Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. <laughs> uh, he goes to the hotel. He can't check in. They've gone curling as well. Very lax security at this hotel because the keys to the room are just hanging there and accessible, uh, but nobody's <laughs> staffing it. But salesman is not going to just take a, a room. He's going to get a curling magazine and start to read about uh, the sport. And Scott, I felt that this magazine didn't really do a good job of promoting the sport. No, uh, that, it, yeah, it was like a novel yeah. almost. Uh, it looked to me that that was all about, you know, 
the rules of curling kind of, but not really. And saying it was great, but not really saying how. Yeah, he, he actually refers to curling as a disease of the mind. Yeah, and I would agree with that. <laughs> and Scott, uh, the magazine tells him that all you need to curl is a cardigan, a comfortable cap, rubbers, broom, rubbers, and yep. stones. Now, multiple uh, of those in 2020 parlance uh, mean very different things. Yes, yes. Have you ever heard them called no. rubbers? I think I have. Never have. I think we, uh, yeah, somebody said it once and I was like, what? Yeah, they're referring to grippers yes. for those who don't, uh, don't yeah. know. So that that's all you need. I I love that comfortable cap is there. It's the only it's the only one of these that has an adjective in front of it. Like everything else is just the item, that's... but the cap must be comfortable. Yeah, and I would say ninety nine percent of them are tams, yeah. right? Yeah, and based on what we learn in the film, it's not commented on, but it's preferable if your comfortable cap has just completely cover or is completely covered with pins. Well, yeah, that's how people are going to know what the uh, feels yeah, you're going to do. Just don't slip on the ice because one of those is definitely going to be lodged in your head. <laughs> I never thought of that. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that you're right. You're right. Yeah. So the magazine ah. also informs them about how to deliver the stone. It says, don't change the position of your head. So, so, shoulders or your body except to elevate by straightening the knees and there's nothing to it that's it that's nothing to do. it yeah that's yeah. how you do it and he determines that he could be good at it just by reading this magazine he's gonna be good at it yes so uh so where's his next stop after deciding he's gonna be good at it sean is it a dream yes, sequence we got a dream sequence in a 10 minute film this is my favorite part of the movie, yeah. by the way. So what is your favorite part? Because I have a couple things written down here about why this is an amazing sequence. Okay, so in this sequence, our protagonist, they don't say his name no. ever, do they? No. So he sort of envisions what his life would be like as a rock star curler. Yeah. And he walks into the club and everybody's all like, Oh, so great to see you. Then when he gets on the, like on the ice, this is my favorite part. When he walks out into the ice shed, he is mobbed Beatles yes. style by fans who are, I guess, stopping their games and screaming and mobbing him saying like, Oh, can I have your yeah. autograph? Like so into it. That's my favorite part. It's, and they're all women pretty like they're all women who are running up to him too. It it really does remind me of the yeah. Beatles in 1963. Yeah, it's just 64. The 60s. The <laughs> yeah, the, the women are just woo. Yeah, and then he he gets into the hack and he does a routine with the stones, where he's sort of doing yoga oh, yeah. with the stones and he lifts them up over his head, no problem. Go, puts them out sideways. Yeah. And then yeah. he does like a an underhand twirl sort of like a, a softball pitcher like a softball fast pitch pitcher and just 
mm-hmm. heaves the stone in the air down the ice. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, you know when you go bowling and sometimes your ball gets stuck in the, or your fingers get stuck in yeah. the holes? And they and it kind of goes yeah. up, and you're like, whoa, whoops. Uh, that's what <laughs> it looked like. But when they cut to the result of the shot, it's sliding smoothly right onto the button. Is that easy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can't no, be stopped. No. Um, earlier in the dream sequence, we also see him going to get his gear. He goes to the curling shop, uh, okay. and he gets his sweater, and yes. he gets uh, his comfortable cap, uh, his rubbers. He gets everything he needs. Now, Scott, this part of the sequence I really like because they, the music that they play as this is going on, I, I was listening to the music and I thought, oh, so Mickey Mouse is going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> did it Did it have like a little bit of a yakety yes, sax quality? Yeah. And, and so not only does he get a sweater, he tries on two sweaters. Doesn't like them. And then says to the, like, signals to the proprietor of the shop how about your sweater your sweater right now (laughs) because it's the kind uh, you have this kind of of sweater sean it's got you know the stones with the brooms crossed in a pattern on it it's like a classic curling sweater it's it's exactly what you want your curling sweater to be right and and the guy running the shop is like i guess so like (laughs) if if i'm gonna make a sale you can have the sweater off yeah. my back. And everyone's just okay with this. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. The other thing about the shop, did you notice that there's a baby picture on the counter? Like an oversized baby yes. picture? Yes. And they cut to it at yeah. a certain Why? point. Why? Why is that there? Yeah. I've, yeah there's no, no other babies in the film. And nope. like, if you want to have it as set dressing of, oh, this guy has a baby. Okay. But why is it oversized, and why do we need yeah. a tight shot of it just randomly in the middle of the film? And it's a little bit creepy looking yeah. too. It's not like it's a you know those baby shots where you know they're sleeping and they're so cute. This is kind of like a kid looking like he's smiling, but he's got maybe two teeth. Yeah, it's like the it's like if it was uh, the Gerber just... baby, but the Gerber baby was possessed by the devil. That's how I would describe <laughs> this photo. Yeah, that's uh, pretty apt. Pretty apt. Um, so we we get through the end of the dream sequence. We head on over to the Eston Curling Club, little three sheet club, and this traveling salesman. He's just so charming and smooth. He's able to go to a, a team and say, "Need a player?" And they're like, "Yeah, come on out. You can play with us." Now, Scott, have you ever <laughs> been in a curling club? where a stranger comes in and just gets a game. I can't say that I have. This is no. not something that happens. Maybe uh, it you should know, be I, something that happens. Maybe. Yeah, like we've talked about, you know, Curling Club is a pretty intimidating yeah. place. You know, this one in the 1960s seems great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, buddy. Come on in. Like, this is how you get new members. Yeah, it's true. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. It's You just show up in Eston, Saskatchewan, where the whole town has gone to the club to play, and yet these guys are short a player. <laughs> well, Sean, do you know the population of Eston right now? Uh, I'm going to go with 604. 
Ooh, you're a little under. It's 1,061 as of the 2016 census. All right. Aston, Saskatchewan. Good job. Kicking around. I like it. Yeah. So he gets on the team, and now we've established that everyone in Eston is there, but they've also set up stands, bleachers for people to watch this game. I don't know if this is an important game or not, but a lot of folks are watching, paying attention. Yeah, a lot of folks are watching. He comes out to play, and he informs us through a voiceover that all you have to do is shove the stone down the ice. And Scott... I appreciated that because he didn't use the word thrust. <laughs> yeah, that's not your uh, favorite no, word, not right? not to describe the speed of a stone. So he comes out, he falls down a few <laughs> times, um, and everyone laughs at him because these people are not very nice. It's And they're not like, they're, they're not like, oh, this guy's trying. Like, there's no support in this crowd. It's just like, you're an outsider. You don't belong. We're laughing at you. So, like, as inviting as they were in saying, like, hey, come on in, you can yeah. play, maybe they just did it to be able to laugh yeah. at Yeah, maybe. You think so? You know, that's kind of Machiavellian of them, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's maybe a little more than I would than I would put on the people yeah. of Eston. Uh, they seem like nice people. So uh, they go out, they, they give them a, a, a single lesson. Not a few lessons, a single lesson. Keep your foot in the hack. Let mm-hmm. the weight of the stone do the work for you. And, and he goes out and he slides out. Not a great slide, but not terrible. And he hogs the first one, but that's okay. He's It's okay. A lot of yeah, people do that. He's now into the game. He says that he doesn't understand the sweeping of it, but he says that it uh, it looks good and it sounds good. Like, but Primarily, it looks good to do the sweeping. And, quote, other things also look good, and then you flash to the women's game. <laughs> so you flash to the women's game, and you're thinking, oh, this guy's a real creepo. Yep. He's just uh, watching the women. But no, then he says, and not just the ladies. Yeah, it's for whole families. Yeah, there you got families, you got women playing with men, playing with kids at the same time, I guess. Uh, anybody can come yeah, out. Yeah, but play. explain to me this, like I, I, just the structure of this moment where he says the sweeping looks good, but it's not all that looks good. And then we flash to the women, and then he says families are here. Like I, I, I didn't understand that because clearly the line of it's not just the sweeping that looks good, and then flashing to the women is meant to say that there are attractive women here, therefore curling is great. And then the next thing out of his mouth is families are here. Well, Sean, if you think about the first film yeah. we watched, there were no women allowed at the club. And now women are allowed. And now, yeah, now women are to allowed. To be at by this traveling Pretty salesman. Great. Well, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. It's a it's an awkward moment in the in the movie. Yeah, I'll admit it is a little yeah. bit awkward. Uh, so right. we get back to the game. The score is close. As they go back and forth, we get the epic camera is put on the stone shot and we get to spin around as the stone goes down the ice. What would you think of that? Ooh, got me a little yeah. dizzy. 
I'll admit. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. At first, I thought, what is going on? And then, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, a little weird. Yeah, so uh, we get down to the last rock, Scott. The skip throws an out turn, but magically, it's an in turn when it hits the other <laughs> stone, and they win the game. Great sweeping again to change the turn. And great and the guy again. wins the game in his first uh, first appearance on the ice. And Scott, his reaction is to say that I was cocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sure was. Super into it. Loves curling. Hooked for yeah. life. So uh, he's he's super excited. Really into it. And then we we see outside that he was so involved in the game that he forgot about everything else. And he's getting a ticket. That's right. But what does the ticket John say? John Curlin. So is, is, hey. the, is the police officer saying, I would write you a full ticket, but I don't have time because I've gone Curlin? It's like an IOU ticket. Like, I will give you a says, ticket. You know, this one's on me. Okay. But next time. Right. And also, if everyone in the town is at the curling club, why isn't the police officer at the curling club too? Or like, what is he out patrolling? Because if it's established that everyone is at the curling club at this time, it's not like he has to protect against crime elsewhere. Or if he is going to do that, maybe well, he should sure go he to the hotel where anyone can just get into any of the rooms. Well, you know, the hotel's across the street <laughs> or something. So yeah, that's what he's doing. You know, he's, he's patrolling for out of towners that might come in and try and take advantage of the businesses. Right. So, uh, so that's, uh, so then we see him drive away and he says, Hey, you know, this is great, but this is just one of the many towns in my territory. So the question is, how am I ever going to get any work done? Roll, cre <laughs> Roll credits and that's it. So it's weird because if you're a traveling salesperson and you can curl and you're driving through small town, Saskatchewan, where every club or every city or every town has a club. You just go and you play in these games and that's how you meet people in the town. And that's how you get the connections to sell things. Like it's not, how would I ever get any work done? It's, Oh my God, I just got a pipeline into the best sales technique ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh, I could, I met so many customers at the curling club. Oh no. It's I, I'm never going to get any work done because I'm always at the yeah. curling club. But again, I'm not a traveling salesman the same way I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that making connections, meeting people, spending time with them is the most important thing. Well, one would think, so yes. Having this ability now to go to a curling club and fit in, just that is your work. So, yeah. Uh, so that's that. So gone curling. So Scott, what was your big takeaway from gone curling? Uh, my takeaway was that, you know, curling's a game for everyone. Yeah. And, and anyone, including a true beginner, can have fun at yes, a curling club. Absolutely. So you said you thought this was funny. What was the funniest part? Oh, the funniest part was the uh, dream sequence. Okay. I, I agree. I, I, it felt like it was also in, like sped up a bit. Yeah. You know how when you see old film and it's at a different frame rate, like a faster yeah. frame rate? Uh, that that I sort of like that too. The narration over top of him at the 
at the shop and then going into the rink. I thought yeah, that was great. I agree that uh, the dream sequence was the, the best part of this. So, Scott, there's an eight-year difference between these two things. The The most obvious difference is that Gone Curlin' is in color and that the curlers is black and white. But what other differences did you notice between the two films? I sort of thought the, the, the sort of fun level was upped in the 1963 film. Uh, it seemed like a lot more of a relaxed atmosphere than sort of the buttoned up world of 1955. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought people spoke a little closer to how we speak contemporarily in the, the 63 film. Right. Uh, whereas in the 1955 film, it seemed very scripted and very like the forced a bit by the actors. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, the other thing too is just, you notice little things that like in the curlers, they're using like a, what you would think of as like a kitchen broom. And in Gone Curling, they're using straw brooms that you would still see guys throw with today. Yeah. So that's just an evolution in the equipment that you're seeing that's that's being used both films have ashtrays on the ice which is always fun mm -hmm. to see sort of that throwback uh the, yeah the curlers is way slower than gone curling what did, for sure what did you think about the way that they cleaned the rock which was to pick the rock up and then put it down on Loved their it. broom and sort of turn it back so and much forth faster. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you have a, a broom that's yeah as big as the rock is that you just place down like why not yeah i guess yeah. why not so uh so i liked it uh i, I sort of the the differences or that idea uh ryan olson tweeted at us that uh, the curlers there's a synopsis of the curlers come for the curling stay for an interminable legal squabble over timber between two team members <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, definitely and, right. And, you know, even though, and, and he mentions this too, that even though they're only eight years apart, they feel like they're 20 years apart. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like two different worlds, yeah, really. Very, very different films. Uh, and, and just, yeah, just almost light years apart. So I don't regret watching either of them. No, me neither. I I would not watch The Curlers a second time. No, I don't think there's a lot of rewatchability to it. I agree. Yeah. That's okay. There doesn't have to be, you know? No, I think, uh, you know, watch it once. Sort of understand the filmmaking aspects yeah. of it. And uh, yeah, there you go. And so there you go. That's your National Film Board curling content for you. Yeah, I, I want to hear what everybody else thinks of them. Um, I know the National Film Board Twitter account, Sean, said they were excited to hear our reviews. Well, we'll see if they're excited after they hear what we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they will be. Uh, I hope we've done them somewhat justice in talking for longer than the running time of both of the films put together. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, like I, I do like the National Film Board. I mean, what I do professionally is study national cultural institutions, and I do think the National Film Board, once you get past the Second World War, is a valuable 
national cultural institution. So, you know, it, it's kind of fun to mm -hmm. watch some of these old films back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's nice that we have access to them. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And, and everyone does. And I think even internationally, I don't think they have geo blocks on anything. So if anybody wants to go to the National Film Board site, you can watch stuff and pretty much everything is available either to stream on the site or to download from the National Film Board. And what's, what's cool about these two things too, Scott, if you just look at the context of when they're made of, you know, 1950s, the, the curlers in the 1950s, and then in the 60s for Gone Curling, they're both very much products of their, their time. And, and when you, if you, if you read about the National Film Board as an institution and what it's trying to accomplish in its history, that these two films both really hit in what the, the organization as a whole is trying to do. So it's kind of fun to look at them in that respect as well and, and see the changes within the film board represented in the two movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they, they these films do sort of accomplish that task yeah, you're right very very nationalistic right. very pro canada sort of you know reaching out to the or playing into some of the stereotypes that exist about canada and, and what curling is you know some of the ideas that are represented here could just as easily be in a vic essay at the end of a briar or scotty's yeah so, yeah, you're right. Uh, so good stuff there to the National Film Board. Uh, fun times. And yeah, definitely encourage everybody to check those two out. As we said, if you go to the National Film Board website in their search bar, just put in curling, you can find it. Or like we said, we'll tweet it out. It'll be on our site as well. Links to everything. So there you have it. National Film Board curling. Good there you stuff. have it. So Scott, that'll do it for this week. Yeah. Uh, before we go, Sean. I wanted to uh, send a shout out to Matt Gamboa of uh, the Southern California Curling Center. Uh, I ordered a T-shirt yeah. from them and got it in the mail today with a little uh, little bonus content because the shipping was wow. delayed. So thanks a lot, Matt. What was your bonus content? Uh, that was. Oh, I don't want to say. Okay. On, on the, I, it was an extra shirt, but uh, <laughs> so no, it was really unexpected and very much appreciated so anybody looking to help support uh the southern california curling center go over to curling.la and uh, check out the store that's uh that's sort of the main money maker they've got right now uh some really cool t-shirts yeah, they have good there. designs uh, the, out there in southern california yeah i'm pretty excited yeah, about this so one. uh so good stuff there tweet it at scott well scott will tweet out a, a photo of it and put one on instagram too Yes, I'll do that tonight. So, uh, so that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast. Give us the likes, the ratings, the comments. All that stuff helps to grow the show, allows other people to find the show as well. And you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter, at Game of Stones Pod. That's where Scott will tweet photos of his new T-shirts. You can also find us at gameofstonespod.com. All the episodes are there, some blog posts. You can also find our merch store there. We have T-shirts available. All the proceeds from those shirts are going to Food Banks Canada. So if you want to check that out, we have uh, three colors, gray, red, black, in both men's and women's. And, of course, if, as always, if you don't want to buy a shirt and want to donate to Food Banks Canada or your local food bank, you're not going to get any argument from us. 
and uh, Scott, we last updated the donations, I think last month. So now that we're at the end of August, uh, we'll update the donation next week and, uh, and make sure we get all that submitted before the end of the month. Yes, yes, that sounds so good. So we will be back with you next week for another new episode. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.